The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome to the Full Court Press. Happy Tuesday to one and all for a one-year kickoff time on, on October 6th. 2020 uh man same year another legend gone doggone it i'm getting really sick of this what yeah did you hear van halen oh i did hear yeah dude my man van halen van halen yeah you uh back in your uh high school days he was only 65 years old i know cancer battling throat cancer uh, hey, we don't have a lot of time. To, we'll get into the mingling and such uh, and whatever, but we uh, have an immediate guest who you are welcoming onto our show and grateful to have him back, one of the best dudes in town and uh, a part of the UHSAA, which has been a very busy time for those people over there in, I don't even know where they're located, actually, but it's the Assistant Director of <laughs> Utah High School Athletic Activity Association, John Oglesby, joining us here on the Full Court Press. Mr. Oglesby, thanks for your time. How are you? Doing okay. I'm a little sad. Uh, man, we lose the greatest drummer in rock music and Neil Peart from Rush, and now the greatest guitarist in rock music from Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, in one year. I forgot about Crazy. the drummer. Yeah, that's true. Hey, can, before we get into football you stuff. Freddie Mercury up there with vocals and... You know, you, you've got... Uh, you weren't listening to them. Quit pretending what? like no, you know. Uh, Oglesby would know. Don't <laughs> pretend like you're a part of that conversation. Freddie Mercury's been gone for a while, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But sad here for music lovers, solid. It's true. Hey, uh, let's get into some uh, high school RPI talk and, I guess, playoff talk. The playoffs are coming up here. Uh, volleyball's about to start. Soccer's about to start. Football's about to start. Have you guys had to make any adjustments on the fly as we approach the playoffs with the whole COVID situation? Well, I, I think there's definitely things that are going to happen this postseason that um, – likely, you know, nobody in their normal operating procedures would have ever thought of. Um, Specifically, you know, I mean, there's the specter, the very real specter of teams uh, having to withdraw from the postseason, potentially because they are locked down and on quarantine, so they can't start. That's something that's definitely out there. You know, I, I, I hope we don't, but I think it's a very real possibility. You may see some, um, that suddenly appear in the post because teams can't fulfill their game schedule. Um, I, it's just going to be one of those years. There's going to be some unique things that I don't know that are you're really going to anticipate happening, but, but will happen. And I think we'll be prepared to deal with those as best we can when they arrive. John, let's, let's start with uh, football. Um, we know that there's been you know, some games have been postponed. Some games have been canceled because of coronavirus. Uh, some teams uh, are canceling what they would normally do, what they had normally scheduled on their schedule next week during that fall break week, or what used to be known as UEA break uh, week. Uh, and they're using that as as opportunities to make up some lost games. But some schools will will not play. And so if we have a traditional well, I guess the new normal with the first round by for those top 10 teams, some schools will have gone several weeks between games. Is the is the 
is the playoff format going to still stay the same with the top 10 teams in the RPI get a first-round bye? Yeah, for 4A, it's going to remain consistent. And the executive committee wanted there to be that consistency in our board meeting last week. And right now, uh, things may have changed week to week for some teams or their situation, but really, we think fairly consistent in John, we're losing you. So, are you guys there? Oh, yeah, we we got you now. Sorry. Okay, sorry about that. Um, But but as we go through and keep kind of pressing on, um, I think we've tried to keep things as consistent as possible, and that's our goal as we move forward. So, is that going to be the same thing with when it comes to? Uh, we're going to have some of these teams from Southern Utah potentially traveling to Northern Utah and vice versa, and some of these districts still are not allowing overnight travel. That and that's not just for a potential hurdle for football; that's a potential hurdle for for soccer and volleyball as well. Yeah, so that's something that I think districts themselves have have looked at as they look at their travel and what they are and aren't comfortable with their. Uh, schools and student populations doing um, for the most part uh, and I would say specifically in the 4A classification the schools and school districts have indicated support for pushing forward with what it'll take to be able to compete in postseason events and in the 4A classification that, that means travel that's just a part of it with it stretching from literally our northern Utah border all the way to our southern Utah border uh, I know it sounds like a softball question for you, and I promise you it's not. It's sincere. But can you just give us what you and the UHSAA has felt so far on how things have gone? You know, you see crowds with masks on. You've seen the social distancing. For the most part, you guys have to be pleased with uh, the amount of you know games that have gone on, but yet the, uh, the obedience to the instructions given by you and the state and local health officials. Yeah, so I, I would grade us. On more of a pass fail than a you know letter grade, we've gotten a pass to this point um, because we've been able to keep sports going, and that's a great credit to our coaches and our local member schools, our school districts, our communities. But just because we're getting a pass doesn't mean suddenly that, that the battle has been won. Um, it's a daily focus on what we have to do in order to keep things going. Every day is a test that we're having to pass in order to get to the, the next the next round. And to this point, I would say that as a state collectively, um, we've made those sacrifices and done those things that have been necessary to get to that point. I think a lot of our fan bases and a lot of our communities have done an outstanding job at, at doing something that's very uncomfortable and untraditional and trying to make it give them great credit for that. In spite of all that, though, I think we are cognizant of the fact that the world is changing and that there's things around us that are happening um, that we have to continue to stay vigilant for. And so, again, I would give us a passing grade, but I don't know that we've, we've really gotten to the finish line yet. And so we have to stay vigilant about taking the precautions. John, will, will anything change uh, for um, – football conceivably can still be done with some travel if you play it early enough in the afternoon. 
Um, but when it comes to these volleyball tournaments, uh, those are multiple games over multiple days. Uh, is there any thought that of, of moving some of these pods to be more centrally located or more regional? Uh, how's it, or is it just it's already laid out, we're going to try to do the best that we can with what we have? Yeah, so the executive committee has set for there to be more of a pod structure to our volleyball playoffs. Um, they felt strongly that schools that were successful throughout the season and earned seeding for that were deserving of getting, um, you know, round assignments. But, I mean, the move was made due to um, Utah Valley University not uh, being able to have outside entities on campus this fall to move to a centralized site um, in Richfield for for a volleyball. And so, again, I had great credit to our board um, as well as, members of our staff for being able to quickly pivot when situations have come about. Again, I'm confident and I'm hopeful that that's going to lead to um, an outstanding experience still for our student athletes this fall. In regards to boys and girls basketball uh, and in those winter sports, are you still planning for those to start on time? And uh, are there any restrictions there in that regard because it is an indoor atmosphere? Yeah, so we've continued um, with our return-to-play protocol, which is masks are required um, at indoor events. And so that will be a big part of what we're doing for basketball as well as wrestling, is masks are going to be required at indoor events. Uh, as of right now, our boards have maintained that they want to proceed as normal. Um, and that's really, again, been the established pattern of this fall, is we are going to proceed as normal on a normal timeline with what we're doing and we're going to prepare to start basketball and proceed as normal throughout the season until we have to pivot and go another direction. John, with this uh, coronavirus and how it's been going, we know some, some games have been canceled and postponed. Um, and some are trying to make that up this next week with, uh, with football, but, uh, you said you gave yourselves a, a passing grade, and I know that there's attitudes vary across the state about, you know, how serious to approach uh, this virus. But how's the, these districts and these athletic departments have still tried to manage getting through all of this? I mean, how would you assess how that's gone? I know it's kind of different from some parts where it's more rural or urban, but. Generally speaking, how would you assess how things are going with some of these schools and how they're handling it? I, I give tremendous credit to our member school administrators, athletic directors, and coaches across the state. That's the, that's the boots on the ground in terms of what we're doing, and they deserve tremendous credit. They've had to manage situations that are uncomfortable and, and, and uncharacteristic of how we've done business. They've had to quickly... Uh, adjust to changing rules and regulations that have come down um, due to various best practices and pieces of information that have come about from, um, you know, government sources, medical sources, health sources. I think the job that our coaches and athletic directors and administrators have done is nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, and, and that includes as well just the efforts to keep kids going to school. You have teachers doing hybrid teaching, online teaching, consistent everyday teaching. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary 
what our educational professionals have done here in the great state of Utah. And I think when this entire tale is written, when every piece of it is, is sifted through and people look back at what sustained us through this time, they're going to look at the efforts of teachers, coaches, administrators. They're going to look at those efforts and they're going to say, this is what kept us going in the educational world in spite of all the doubt and all the uncertainty. It's really inspiring. Hey, John, just a, uh, this is a, what, the second year we're doing RPI for, for a lot of sports. Uh, it's been involved with some sports already, but uh, notably for, for football, it's the second year of doing this with a different format with the playoffs as well. Last year there were a couple of cases where there were some schools that they had a lot of injuries. They just they couldn't find a way to win a game, and uh, they were ready to be done, but they still had to play one more game. Uh, and I know that there were some schools that didn't really want to play that extra game, but they still did. Uh, is Any changes potentially moving forward with tweaking how the RPI and then the playoff format works in the state? Well, one thing that always existed even last year for those teams was the petition to withdraw from the postseason has always existed, meaning that if a school is interested in withdrawing and not participating, they're able to indicate that to our office that they don't want to be seated into the tournament. Now, doing that and saying you want to do that after the fact are two different things. Uh, because it's a it's a big move uh, as a community to say, look, even though our kids can play in the postseason, we don't want to continue. So that still exists for this year. Um, to this point, other than the 6A classification, which has chosen to drop their team sport state tournament field to 2014, our classifications for the most part, particularly the 4A, which is uh, a lot of your area, has maintained that they want to have an all-comers style state tournament because they want kids to experience competing in the postseason. And if an individual school chooses not to, then that's their prerogative and their responsibility to indicate that to our office. And then overall, just the, the uh, I guess, evaluating RPI and how it's working. I mean, you had a full season last year. You've had uh, much of a season now for at least specifically for football, soccer, and volleyball. I mean, what's the evaluation on how it's working, and is it working how it was intended? I think it's worked how it's intended to be in terms of creating flexibility. I mean, there, you know, it's not to be, you know, grandiose as some in our popular culture tend to be when looking at different things. Um, but it, it, really, our playoff structure under the old region system would have cracked this year with the way you're talking about the game cancellations and different things. And the RPIs created it to where, uh, while it's unfortunate that kids aren't having an opportunity to participate in those games, it's created it to where there's really not a, a deviation in terms of our pathway to the postseason. Um, it's, it's, it's not important in terms of the postseason for um, you know, a, a region football game and a region champion to get decided. It doesn't matter because you're taking teams out of what they're um, what they're seeded out from the RPI. And so, I think it's been a positive this year. I think it'll always be talked about um, because there's always ways to manipulate the algorithm to benefit a particular team or a particular situation. Uh, but overall, I would say it's been a positive. 
and we continue to monitor it and look at it to make sure that it's the best possible way possible to seed our state tournaments to create a great experience for our student-athletes. Last question for me, John, before I let you go. Uh, question about fans being able to attend when you come yeah. to these state championship-level events, uh, whether it's the volleyball tournament down in Richfield or the, the football championships uh, uh, and soccer down at Rio Tinto. I mean, what is the? Are there going to be restrictions on how many fans can attend and can fans attend, period? So the number one thing I would say is fans need to get in the habit of visiting with their school athletic director regarding what the regulations are. And each different venue is going to be different. Um, I can tell you for fans who will be tending for a state tennis down at Liberty Park this week in Salt Lake City, it's a mask-required event. Fans have no choice. If you're going to be in the venue, you have to wear a mask. There's some of our venues that will be mask-required. Some will be masks are required when social distancing can't happen. But if you can socially distance, then you don't need to wear a mask. It's going to vary sport to sport and venue to venue. And so I would really encourage fans to take as much responsibility as possible this fall to read the state tournament regulations, to visit with your school athletic director, to visit with your coach, to find out what the expectations are. I think the more preparation that fans do, in understanding and making an attempt to understand what regulations are, the smoother experience it's going to be for everyone involved. And, again, that's just going to lead to a better overall experience for our student-athletes. The Assistant Director of Utah High School Activity Association, John Oglesby, joining us. Hey, John, uh, someone asked me a question earlier in the month, and I was kind of curious – do you, as an administration, or I guess as the association, get to travel to games and go watch games uh, and kind of just get an idea of, of what it looks like? Or uh, do you guys go to these games, or do you kind of stay out of it and, and stay out of the way? I would say it depends. You know, we, we definitely have, I would say all of us on our staff have been some form of game across all of our sports this fall. Uh, I think it depends sport to sport, person to person. Um, one thing I will say is there's this idea sometimes that our association, that our office is cut off from our schools and we're not really aware of what's going on. And I would say that in some form or fashion, we're in constant communication with school administrators and coaches around the state day to day. Um, it's a constant flow of information, information coming from us and then information coming back to us from them. And through that process and through that attendance of games, we're really able to understand what's affecting our schools and then try to create a best course of action. That's one reason why I would give us a passing grade this fall as an association is I think the communication and the collaboration between our association and our member schools and government entities, health leaders around the state, I think that collaboration has allowed us to keep playing, and that has always been what we were going to grade ourselves on was, was there a way for us to be able to play and then to keep playing? And I feel very good about the efforts that we've made to get a passing grade on those goals. Hey, I know you're a freelance play-by-play -play announcer. I've been listening to a lot of games lately on TV and on the radio. Uh, odd question, random, but who cares? Who is your play-by-play -play team? Like, if you had a choice for a play-by-play -play team to listen to all day, every day, it would be who? So I think Kevin Harlan is the most versatile mm. 
play-by-play man in sports. Kevin Harlan, if you were looking for versatility, he's number one. can go sport to sport, um, level to level, and be so um, incredibly versed and prepared. Um, I think, to me, Al Michaels is the best voice that's in the business still, even though he's entering the, the twilight of his career. Absolutely outstanding um, in terms of what he does. I think when you're you're looking at different things, uh, I would say Kevin Harlan, Al Michaels, and then probably my third favorite person that I enjoy listening to uh, is Joe Davis. I think he does a great job, um, and again, extremely versatile, extremely put together, uh, and really delivers a quality broadcast no matter what event he's working. And that's always the gold standard. Are you ready? Can you make it entertaining? Can you make it fun? And then can you try to also teach people? And if you can do all those things, which all the people I've done and mentioned do, then you're going to put on a pretty good broadcast and you're going to have a great time doing it. Hey, good stuff, John. Greatly appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Travel safe. Okay, thanks so much, you guys. Always good to talk. And rock out to some Van Halen on the way home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and some Rush. I I got that on cue. So thanks (laughs) And thanks, John. Appreciate Very good. Thank you, John. John Oglesby with the Utah High School Activities Association. Uh, we just felt like look, the, the regular season is coming to a close quickly. Uh, t- tonight is the last night for soccer. Um, on Friday, well, Thursday and Friday, it's the last for uh, region play. And there are some games still scheduled the week after that in football. Volleyball is coming to a close. But it's got – I've been getting some questions about – you know, what what does the postseason look like? Can people travel to these games? Can these schools travel? Because uh, if it's a long distance, are they going to have to go back and forth and back and forth? Because their school district says no overnight. Are they going to create waivers for them? So there's just some questions there, and it sounds like the, man, they're, yeah, they're like, throwing you know, caution to the wind. It's up to the school district. We're going to hold it. If they can come, we'd love to have them there. If they can't stay then it's just a weird year. And I I honestly think that we're going to get to a point, a team like Uinta, who travels from Uinta to, Uinta to Mountain Crest last year and gets walloped 77-6. to I had talked to some people who were not a part of the Uinta High School Athletics, but close to the Uinta High School Athletics, and they said parents were begging them just to not take them, that they didn't want to have to see their kids go to Mountain Crest and get beat that badly. They knew it was coming. And so they're trying to dissuade their coaches from allowing the kids to go to wherever it's going to be and get beat so soundly. They just don't want that to happen. If they're going to go four hours, just keep them at home. We call it a season. We wrap it up. We have our banquet. We move on. Well, and he said flat out, you know, 4A says they everybody still wants to participate. Now, maybe we get some opt-outs this year, which we didn't last year. Yeah. Because of this current situation, some schools maybe there there's an outbreak or there's uh, you know, some players that uh, aren't able to do it, and that affects your depth chart and everything else. But as of this moment, everybody's still going to participate. Uh, so the way that it works for RPI in football, your top ten teams get a first round bye, and then everybody else plays that first week. So as it stands right now, Skyview, Ridgeline, and Green Canyon would get a first-round bye. Now, 
all three of those schools have had their games next week canceled. So for them, it would be several weeks between games for them. Uh, for the other schools, Ajay, it's potential that you know, Bear River would host, because they're number 11, so they would host a game. Uh, like right now, if the playoff started today, they would host Uinta. Uinta has not won a game all year. Bear, Bear River's 99% going to win that game. Uh, here's the other juicy thing. Logan, as the standings currently are, Logan would host Mountain Crest. Logan's 15, Mountain Crest is 18, and the way that the standings work, Logan would host Mountain Crest in the next round. So, uh, you know, some of these schools are going to have to travel some distance. Others, not very much. So maybe it, it, it all works out in the first round. But when you get into the second round, then it's going to be different. And the further you go. For me, the biggest thing is I'm not really worried about football. I worry about the, the kids playing volleyball. Because if you're sent to a pod that's in another part of the state, how are you going to play those games if your school district says no overnight travel? How are you going to go to Richfield and play a couple of games to try to, you know, to do well and, and have your chance to, to win everything? So we've got some good volleyball going on up here. Right yeah. now, the latest standings in vo- volleyball RPI, uh, let me make sure I get the right sheet. Skyview's number two. Mountain Crest is number four. Ridgeline's number nine. So it's three teams in the top 10 from Region 11. Hmm. So I, I, I hope they find a way to figure it out to give these, especially these girls, opportunities to still play and compete for a championship. Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, we, we get into this unknown factor. And as, as Mr. Oglesby said, look, we're, we're doing well so far. We give ourselves a passing grade, but we're, you know, we still feel like there's business to be finished and we're not quite to the ending yet so people need to continue to do you know what they're supposed to do and that's social distancing that's masking up that's following and obeying the rules and so we can have the playoffs that we get I mean we're this far don't do anything that's going to cancel it right don't do anything that's going to mess it up for everybody especially with I mean if we are going to have that opening round uh you want to make sure that teams can have the chance to play and whatnot so uh girls soccer the their playoffs begin this weekend uh, as I mentioned, the last games are tonight, and then the first round is on Saturday. Uh, for volleyball, their playoffs begin on the 24th. So they've still got a few, uh, a few, few more games to play. Uh, then the they've got you know these pods. It'll be on the 24th, and then the quarterfinals are in Richfield. On October 27th and 28th. So, anyway, interesting update from John Oglesby and how the state's trying to handle coronavirus and RPI and playoffs. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, it's time to get into some MLB playoff baseball. The Braves do what the the Cubs could not do. Uh, The Yankees get off to a hot start. Astros are doing what they are known to be doing without the help of garbage cans, whistles, and and, uh, toys. Uh, and much, much more coming up here on the MLB Update Baseball Report. It's the Full Court Press, Eric France and Ajay Salveson. 
The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press, Eric France and Audrey Salison. Hey, just a nice, uh, not nice, but a note, I uh, should say here. Law enforcement and paramedics are responding to a crash at 1200 East. Uh, U.S. 89, minor injuries are reported, traffic's partially blocked. One of the vehicles involved is a tanker truck that is spilling pesticide. Uh, so please be cautious and careful. Again, that's on 1200 East uh, on U.S. 89. Drive safe. Drive safe. Buckle up. Uh, thanks again to John Oglesby for joining us. Yeah, uh, reminder, if you missed part of what he had to say, or if you missed what Gary Anderson had to say yesterday, or what John Hartwell had to say yesterday, you can always go to our website, 1069thefan.com. We put all of our original content there, our uh, past shows, past interviews. Or if you subscribe to podcasts, if you'd like to just get them generated right to your phone, uh, wherever you subscribe, you can find. Just search Full Court Press, search my name, search Ajay's name, and subscribe to the Full Court Press podcast, and you can hear all those interviews, all those past episodes. In fact, if you're looking for John Oglesby, he has now just been posted, so uh, he is up and fresh and ready to go to be listened to. Again, big thanks to him and the UHSA for you know all their great work, too. Putting this all together for you know through a pandemic is not easy. The decisions and the discussions they've had to have are not easy, and uh, I think, honestly, they've done a pretty darn good job considering everything that's been going on. Uh, and making sure that these kids have a chance to play football or basketball or, or volleyball or soccer or whatever it is uh, to give them an opportunity to do so. And that's, I mean, I think it's all these kids could ask for. And, and you know what? There's going to be teams in the postseason that will have played more games than their opponents. Yep. Uh, Ridgeline, if they don't, it doesn't look like they're going to have a replacement team for next week. So they will have two games less on their schedule than like. Mountain Crest or Bear River, who will have games next week. But it's about win percentage and who you played and what their win percentage was, and that's how the RPI works. It doesn't necessarily mean total number of wins or total number of losses. So that's uh, I guess that's a, that's a real benefit for the RPI. It still works, even if games get postponed or canceled. Uh, let's get to some baseball. Before we get to today's playoffs or in yesterday's, uh, or excuse me, last night's games, do you know what 10 years ago today was in MLB? 10 years ago today, uh, 2010? No. The Dock. Halliday is one strike away. The 0 2. A bouncer. Ruiz. In time! Roy Halliday! has thrown a no-hitter! The Doc, Roy Holiday, was, had the second no-hitter in postseason history 10 years ago today in a 4-0 shutout of the Cincinnati Reds in Game 1 of the NLDS. Uh, he was a great pitcher. Man, God rest his soul, too. Yeah, he was incredible. He yeah. was, they compared him. This is how good he was, Eric, and that's a great point you bring up. They compared him as a surgeon like Greg Maddox. And that is saying something because Greg Maddox, especially on the mound, was an absolute, it was operation. I mean, painting quarters, uh, changing speeds, 
putting, I mean, he wasn't the hardest thrower. He didn't need to be, though, because he put it exactly where it needed to be. A slider, a changeup, I mean, whatever it was. And he would just absolutely operate on batters. And they had no shot at all. Didn't matter how good they were. And, uh, in fact, the best hitter <laughs> off of Greg Maddox was Tony Gwynn. And, he, and, and batting average stat-wise, the best hitter ended up being Tony Gwynn. Well, that's going back a ways. Yeah, that tells you how tough he was to hit. Um, but, uh, yeah, good stuff for uh, good stuff to start off here on the, uh, on the baseball report. Uh, let's start, Eric, here, though. Uh, the Astros have been getting a lot of grief because, well, they're the Astros, right? Uh, and they continue to get a lot of grief because they're the Astros and sometimes they – they talk a tad too much, but one thing about the Astros, especially this year, is that they can back it up. Springer will lift this in the air to left center field and deep back goes the center field of Luriano at the wall. It's gone. George Springer hits a two-run home run and puts the Astros on top two to one with one swing of the bat. Tell you what, George Springer has been an absolute on fire. In fact, the Astros lead 5-2 right now at the end of the sixth of the going to the stretch. Of the seventh, well, not in the stretch of the seventh inning, but into the stretch, into the seventh inning. Uh, again, leading 5-2 over the Athletics. Boy, the Athletics have been severely disappointing uh, as of late. I mean, losing yesterday the way they did to the Astros. Yeah, I mean, Oakland was up 5-3 five. Five to three yeah. through five innings. They looked like uh, Houston had a really good fourth. but um, And then just the, the Oakland pitching just starts to collapse and Houston goes yard and they start to rack up the 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 runs and end up winning the game 10 to 5. So they really rallied late uh, late in the game and so they're kind of doing the same thing today. Yeah, they've been and I think you and I talked a little bit about this this previous week, but the Oakland A's bullpen pitching has never been reliable. I mean, since 2001. They just have never been a, a bullpen that he's like, hey, you know what? We've got this one guy who's going to get us three outs and get us out of a jam or get us out of this game. And it continues even into today. It is just incredible how bad they can be, uh, especially in the playoffs. Uh, last night, Yankees raised number five seed versus number one seed. Uh, boy, this guy is unreal. Count. Curtis deals, Stanton in the air, center field, deep, on the run, Kiermaier running out of room, and she's gone! It's a grand slam for Giancarlo Stanton! A game-breaker for Stanton and the Yankees! Center field home run, and the Yankees lead it 9-3. That was a grand slam, it was 5-3 at that point. Uh, and there were there was one out, and the bases were loaded, and Stanton went off. Uh, it's grand slam in the ninth inning, pretty much sealed the night for the New York Yankees, who beat the Tampa Bay Rays again by a final score of uh, nine to three uh, at Petco Park. So uh, this Yankees team, look, when they want to get going offensively, probably the best team next. In fact, you know what? They're the second best team next to the Astros. When they're good offensively, they're the second best team next to the Astros. I put the Astros first because they have a one through five lineup that is really good. The Yankees have three, four, and five, and six are just incredible. 
But Eric, this Rays team was so good pitching throughout the 60-game regular season schedule. They were so good pitching in the first round, and they fall apart versus this vaunted Yankees lineup. Well, yeah, we we talked about this uh, Tampa team as perhaps the most well-rounded team from top to bottom. And uh, the way they were built, the way they were playing, uh, should should be one of the odds-on favorites to go through this whole thing. But, having said, New York always gives them trouble. And, uh, and the Yankees, if they get things together, can be a very, very, very dangerous team. So uh, today will be interesting in game two between these two. Does Tampa put it together? Or does New York continue with their hot streak? Uh, that game's at 6 o'clock, just after 6 o'clock tonight on TBS. Being played down in San Diego. Hey, is that where the Braves and the Marlins are too? Are they in San Diego? I think so. Because, I mean, it looks like it's a dome or they're playing at night. And I should know this, and I'm really sorry. As a Braves fan, I should know. No, actually, I think they're in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. They're in Los Angeles. No, 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 no. Sorry. They're a National League team, so they are in Texas. Oh, they're uh, in Arlington. They're in Arlington. Oh, okay. Sorry. The American League teams are in National League stadiums, and the American League teams are in, yeah, vice versa. Okay. No, that makes absolute sense. Uh, speaking of the Atlanta Braves, they were down one nothing. Uh, if you're a Cubs, you would fall apart and you'd lose 8 nothing. But these are the Atlanta Braves. Down 4-3 with two men on and one out. Eric, we're in the top of the seventh inning at this point. The dugout for one. It Smacks it into left field, and that'll tie the game. Riley scores. Freeman, with a big turn, will hold up at second. Marcelo Zuna ties it at four in the seventh for the Braves. It was a tie game thanks to Ozuna, and then it wasn't tied anymore. Swinging away, deep center field, back towards the wall, Sierra at the track, it's gone! Travis Darno delivers, and the Braves have taken the lead in the seventh. Uh, and then Sounds they, like a big crowd, really happy. <laughs> a lot it's of Braves great, fan great all crowd. around the country. Great and then it was noise. 7-4 thanks to Dionardo, which by the way, uh, he is just a second Braves catcher with a four RBI postseason game since Eddie Perez way back in 1998. And then came Dansby Swanson. Swings and hammers one towards left center field. Back towards the wall and it's gone. Dansby Swanson follows it up. And a big seventh inning for the Braves continues. That was all in the seventh inning, all with one out, by the way. Two men on results in a Azuna RBI single to tie it up four. And then a Travis Dianaro, uh, Travis Dianard, uh three-run homer. And then Dansby Swanson adds on a pair to make it 9-4. That's your final. Uh, the Braves, uh, or excuse me, 9-5 is your final as the Braves take a 1-0 series lead on the Marlins. Again, Akuna, how about Acuna with a leadoff home run? Yeah, absolutely. Look, this Braves team... The Cubs are talented. The Cubs got in their own heads, though. Like, there was a mental block there for some reason when they played the Marlins at their own house. And then you send this uh, Marlins, or Miami to Texas. You send Atlanta with them. And this Braves team's able to do one thing that a lot of teams, I'm not going to say a lot, a majority of teams in the NL can't do. And that's, you know, when they're down one, down two, they can get their offense going. And just like that, this game can flip on, a, on its heels. And then that's what happened. I mean, again, they were down 4-3 in the seventh. They score sixth. They score six runs, and all of a sudden you're up 9-4, and this game's pretty much over. Yeah, they win at nine. eventually win at 9-5. to five. 
Uh, and uh, they lead the series one nothing. The first game of the series, a good statement game for Atlanta to get things started. Uh, other games tonight, we also mentioned uh, uh, Rays and Yankees have their game two uh, this evening. Um, but there's also another one that's a, a game one. It'll be between the Padres and the Dodgers. Uh, FS1, just about a little after 7.30. And uh, I heard some things, Mookie Betts earlier saying, the Padres, you know, that's a young team. They have a lot of excitement, a lot of energy over there. We can't match that energy and excitement. We just go play our game and we'll be fine. Is that a are you backhanded you're a bunch of compliment? Old guys? Well, that's what I'm trying to think. Is like, is that a backhanded compliment, or are they, uh, <laughs> or are they just, uh, are they just having some fun out there? Look, this Mookie Betts and Dodgers team is we talked about it before. Eric, they're loaded, they're deep, both hitting, both offense, pitching, field. I mean, you name it, they are deep in every category, and that's why they're your World Series favorites. The problem is, is we talked about the Cubs having a mental block. <laughs> For the Dodgers, it's like the size of a boulder in the Grand Canyon. Like, whenever they get into the playoffs, if it's the World Series, NLCS, whatever it is, they have this block where they just can't get over their own mistakes. They fall into uh, uncharacteristic mistakes, and then they don't get out of their own way, and by then it's too late. Uh, This Dodgers team is way too talented. Way, in fact, they're the most talented team in the MLB playoffs this year. Way too talented to be not winning a World Series. Well, how many times have we said the Dodgers are the most talented team in the postseason? Good point. That's a great and point. And how many times have they fallen short? I mean, they make it to the World Series, but they don't They don't seal the deal. So, uh, you know, how long can you keep doing that before you just have to start making wholesale changes? But uh, let's not forget, uh, you know, Padres, um, they've, they've got some former Dodgers on their squad. Uh this is a team that uh, has a lot of high energy. Uh, yeah, they're young. They don't know any better. Uh, so how well did they did they get through that and just say, hey, we're just going to go have fun and play our game? Or does the moment start to creep up on them and they start to tighten up a little bit? So I, I really look forward to this series among many of the other ones playing out in the postseason. And don't leave San Diego out of it either. Right? right? Offensively, Tatis Jr., he got hot against the Cardinals. And things just took off for him. Uh, this San Diego offense with Eric Hosmer as well is good. But can they good enough to keep up with a 1-9 through nine explosive lineup like the Dodgers have? If they can, well, you give them a chance. Well, and they made some moves in the uh, run the trade deadline to really help them out. Some big moves, especially with pitching. Uh, Mike Clevenger's in there uh, coming over from Cleveland and uh, playing for some pretty good baseball for them, solidifying their bullpen. So th- I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. All right, Eric, let's get through predictions, can we? Because we didn't get a chance to do this yesterday. I know we're already one game into it. Uh, some are just about to complete their second game. Uh, Rays, Yankees, uh, who wins and in how many? I, you know, game how? one kind of surprised me. you're still thinking about this, huh? Yeah, just because game one surprised me a little bit. Because I would have said the, the Rays would have taken care of business. Um, now... Uh, it's a, it's going to be a series, but I think in the end, I'm still going to go with Tampa. Really? Yeah. I've got the Yankees in six. And again, this uh, series is at Petco Park in San Diego. Game two tonight at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, game three is Wednesday at five. Uh, athletics and Astros. Athletics have been surprisingly disappointing in this series so far. This series located in Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, just Oakland's backyard practically. 
where you stand here? I got Houston in this one. And I would have said that before the series started. Sure. Um, I, I just think they have a big chip on their shoulder. It's us against the world. They're still a pretty good team. Uh, they had some things going against them the start of the year because they didn't have the benefit of pounding on garbage cans and whatnot. Uh, and a lot of negative energy going their way. But they're, they've bandied together despite that and say, you know, we're, we're unified as a team and it's us against the world. And they're still a pretty deep and solid team as it is. So uh, they, they are, are missing uh, Verlander. He had that season-ending Tommy John surgery. So, I, you know, I don't know that they'll be able to su- sustain a lot of postseason success, but I think I do pick them to beat the, beat the A's. And I would say in six. Astros won game one, 10 to five. They're up right now in the bottom of the seventh, uh, five to two. I'm going to pick the Astros in five. Uh, I just think they're way too talented. Uh, this A's bullpen and this team is just self-destructing right before our eyes right now. And, uh, and, and the Astros have figured out their pitching at least. And so I like the Astros in five. And uh, I, I honestly, I kind of want the Astros to win. Because I want to see what that next series looks like if it's the Yankees. If it's the Yankees. I just, it's going to be salivating for every baseball fan out there, whether an Astros fan or not. Uh, in the NL Division Series, it's a best of five series. Oh, wait, by the way, it's five games in this series. I thought it was seven. Oh, it's best of five. Oh, it is. So that changes everything for me. My okay, bad. I apologize. So best of five, Yankees and four. Uh, I'm still going to stick with Tampa. Um, but I'm wow. going to say it'll be five, Tampa and five. Okay, Oakland-Houston then? I think that one goes five. I, th- I thought it was going to go long, and so I'm going to stay with that thing. It's still going to go five. I'm going to say Houston and three. Again, at Los Angeles. The NL Division Series will feature later tonight, uh, 7.30 uh, first pitch on FS1. Uh, Dodgers, San Diego Padres. Uh, this series will be in Arlington, Texas, and it's a best-of-five series. Eric, what do you got? Uh, sorry, you said Dodgers and, and pa- uh, Padres. Padres? Yes. Um, I I think it'll still be the Dodgers. Um, I, I think that San Diego will make it interesting, but I think it'll be Dodgers and four. Oh, so you think San Diego gets a game? Yep. You know, I I think their offense comes alive for one game. I don't know who it comes against though, and I don't know how it comes against them. I think San Diego's offense is good enough for one game, so I'll go with you. Actually, I'll go Dodgers in four. So I'll join you in that one. Braves, Marlins, Braves won game one today. Game two is tomorrow. That's at twelve p.m. on the MLB Network. Eric, uh, Marlins, they are undefeated in the postseason. You so no, you're just being they've a jerk. won every series oh they participated gosh. in. You're being a so. How can I not? Go with the Marlins. They are going to win, and in, they will win in, a, in four games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, you're just doing it to spite me. I swear. Uh, I like the Braves in this one. I like of course you do. Uh, of course. Well, yeah. Did you not see what happened today? The offense comes alive. Well, just because your Cubs couldn't get the job done doesn't mean you have to vote against the Braves. Look at you jump on the Marlins bandwagon. <laughs> Again, game two tomorrow is at 12 p.m. in the afternoon, Mountain Time. Braves already lead that series uh, after winning today in game one, 9-5. AL Championship Series will start on uh, October 11th. Will be game one and, if necessary, game seven on Saturday, October 20, or excuse me, 17th. The NL Championship Series will be on uh, October 12th and will end October 18th. If uh, game seven is necessary in the World Series, will start on October 20th and it will conclude 
on October 28th for Game 7 if necessary. All right, let's take a break. Our final break of this hour. We'll come back with some more sports news. We also got to get to our stat that blew our mind. Our player of the week. We got NFL Football Monday to recap. And even though nobody wants to talk about the games yesterday, I don't blame them. Uh, we've got NBA Finals, Heat Lakers, game four tonight. Bam Bam is good to go. Goran, Goran Dragic is going to warm up. If he feels like he can play, he's going to play. Keep Interesting. That in That's all coming up here on the Full okay. Court Press. This is Jay from Daryl's Appliance. Why buy from Daryl's? We have a great selection of scratch and dent appliances at up to 50% off. Get interest-free financing. Plus, you always get Daryl's outstanding service with every appliance. Daryl's West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. See Daryl's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. This is Larry from Larry's Pharmacies. Got your flu shot yet? I recommend everyone six months and older get vaccinated. The flu is a serious disease that annually kills thousands and hospitalizes hundreds of thousands. Toddlers, young adults, and seniors are affected most. Protect yourself, those around you, and the whole valley by getting vaccinated today. Come in, no appointment necessary. Stop it in its tracks and don't pass it on. We even come to group gatherings. Thanks, Cash Valley, supporting us for 20 years. Stay well. Vehicle tires can be expensive. Express Tire is now located at Express Auto, and we say yes to great prices on new and used tires. That's right, we sell new and used tires. Save hundreds guaranteed. Express Tire, now located at Express Auto, 3200 North Main, North Logan. Express says yes. This is Ryan at My Mattress. I had a friend text me the other day saying how happy he is that he bought a new mattress last month. He, like the rest of us, are spending a lot more time at home. You may even be listening to this radio ad on your mattress at home, even if it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No judgment here. We're practicing all safe guidelines and we're open all day, every day but Sunday. The deals have never been better. More than ever, isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Only at My Mattress by the South Walmart. Les Olson Company realizes that having cutting-edge and dependable computer hardware enables the front line of your business to get the job done. They also help you play defense with the most sophisticated IT security products available. Create an all-star work environment with the latest IT products and best support in Cash Valley. Les Olson Company's managed IT is there for you all the way. Les Olson IT. Visit lesolson.com to learn more. The Riverwoods Conference Center is accepting reservations for holiday parties and events, inviting you to experience an elegant holiday atmosphere with the Riverwoods Conference Center's beautiful new renovation and holiday decor. And with catering from Elements, your special occasion can include delicious entrees and decadent desserts that always deliver excellence. This year, the Spring Hill Suites is offering a low $79 rate when you schedule a holiday party at the Riverwoods so you can take the elevator home after your event. To schedule, call 750-5151 or Google Riverwoods Conference Center. Doctors Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette of Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat are excited to welcome you to both office locations, the Cache Valley Hospital and 169 North Gateway in Providence, right next to the Bank of Utah. Social distancing and all safety guidelines are in place. The new Providence office location will also be accepting patients for the Allergy Clinic and Hearing Aid Center. Please call 753-7880 for telehealth conference calls. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. Go to CacheValleyENT.com for details. That's CacheValleyENT.com. When the open road opens and you're ready to go, we're here at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. With the same stay-in-your-car oil change, 
the same expert care you can trust, and the same quality service that's rated 4.6 out of 5 stars, where you get in and out quickly without ever having to leave the safety of your car. Let's get ready for the road ahead. Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Service you can see. Experts you can trust. Now open at 695 North Main, Logan. Saturday on Compass Media Network's coverage of NCAA football, it's the Red River Showdown as Texas battles Oklahoma. Hi, I'm Drew Bonadelli. Join Kevin Ray, Chad Brown, and me for all the action as Spencer Rattler and the Sooners look to right the ship against Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns. Texas, Oklahoma from the Cotton Bowl. If it's NCAA football, it's right here. Saturday, beginning at 9.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Derek France and LJ Salves here on the Full Court Press. We're just getting ready to wrap up our number one. Hey, I had a question for you. Have you ever seen The Godfather? Oh, gosh, long time ago. So you did? Is it worth watching? I've never seen it, and I got like... I put it on Twitter that I've never seen it, and I got just torched by everybody. Doesn't, doesn't like, Seinfeld have something like everything relates to The Godfather? I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big Seinfeld guy. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like everyone's like, have you not seen The Godfather? And like, there's all these references to it. A lot of references Shame over the me. years in pop culture, yes. It's that big of a deal. It's a big deal. I need to watch that. How old is that movie? 13? 14? <gasps> 80s. What? Really? Oh, yeah. Huh? Mid eighties, early eighties. <laughs> oh, I, I can't remember. All right, coming up. Been sec- a while. Second hour of the full court press on the radio. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is above the noise. After an own four start, the Texans parted ways with Bill O'Brien on Monday. O'Brien is the most successful coach in team history, and took them to the playoffs for the last five years. But unfortunately, that might not be his lasting legacy, at least from a national perspective. Too many people will ignore his coaching success to focus on his tenure as GM. He took over both jobs in 2019. This past offseason, he traded receiver DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for running back David Johnson and a second-round pick. Hopkins currently leads the NFL in catches, and the Texans have struggled to move the ball. He's had other moves that haven't worked out, and they've basically given away the future in their draft picks. The Texans expect to win now, but the truth is they should probably consider rebuilding. Firing O'Brien is recognition from ownership that it's time to try something new for a team that just couldn't get as far as they had hoped. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.